0: Hey, what's going on? It is at the letters presented by Miller Light, the original Light. Beer, Arden Zwelling, Ben Nicholson, Smith, our producers this week, Andrew Norton, and Mike Tassoni in today's Thursday, May the 20th, 2021. Ben, quarter mark, of the MLB season somehow, we're uh, 25% of the way through. The Toronto Blue Jays are 23-18 and 18 as we uh, sit here today. It's a 561 winning percentage. They have a plus 40 run differential right in the thick of it in the uh, way too early to draw uh, extrapolations from al east standings but we can talk about what we've learned because we have some results and we have 25 percent of a season's worth of data so ben what have we learned i think
1: we've learned the blue jays are in fact quite a good baseball team
0: strike three call and that'll do it the blue jays win it they shut out the Red Sox on just five hits. Young Jin Ryu set the tone from the mound and the hitters took it from there.
1: Wow, and boy did he and that was something that we suspected and predicted going into the season. Certainly had them as a playoff team and thought that they were gonna be good, but they have been good in a way that's different than how I would have anticipated on a couple of fronts. I mean, first off, George Springer has played like three games for this team, and he was supposed to be a huge difference maker. So that's obviously different than what we would have expected. And then also, they're a very good run prevention team, or they have been a very good run prevention team which I really wasn't expected and still honestly don't really expect going forward, but it's been working for them. So it's led to a result that's great in the face of an incredibly tough schedule, some extreme injuries um, that they've, they've had to deal with in basically every facet of their team. And yet here they are playing some really good baseball. So I think that they should be extremely pleased with where they are at this point and encouraged by what, the next three quarters of the season
0: will bring. Well, and they're scoring a bunch of runs now, too, is the thing. And that was kind of the issue through the first sort of, I don't know, three weeks or so of the season was they just weren't scoring enough runs. And that's why they had some of the close losses that they had. Like, if they had this offense that we're seeing now through April... Uh, this team would have like the best record in the majors right like they lost a ton of games by one run by two runs I mean there were just a lot of nights where the bats weren't going and we were asking Charlie Montoya what was going on and he kept telling us oh hitting's contagious just wait you know we're waiting for guys to come around everybody's slumping at the same time and now you kind of look up and down you know the the Blue Jays batting order and I mean you got a ton of guys who like are well above league average hitters right now which hey look it's a crazy um, suppressed offensive environment this year. Like what, like 700 OPS is like league average. So, uh, you know, maybe it's not that hard, but I mean, that speaks to how well the Blue Jays are playing. They've been a top 10 run scoring team and a top 10 run preventing team. It's a great formula for success. Like I can't find anything bad to say about that or anywhere to criticize that. Like if they maintain that, if they continue being top 10 and run scored and runs against. They're going to be a playoff team, man. Like they're going to be in the postseason and they're going to have a really good year.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've got reinforcements coming too. We'll talk about Alec Manoa and the decision there. At some point, he'll be contributing to this team. I think that's fair to say. Then you've got guys like Nate Pearson who's still hurt. Just tons of injured players who are who are coming back. Whether it's you know Julian merriweather in the long term, whether it's someone like Joe Panic in the short term, it's always good to have more options and more players who can contribute. So. That's a good thing for this team. They will play some easier opponents. They are going to be in a position at the trade deadline to add further to this team. And I mean, as as much as I say, this has been a great start for the Blue Jays and they're playing well, they still have a lot of needs. I mean, they still definitely could use another bat, like a left-handed bat, whether that's a third base, outfield, DH. I mean, you could find a lot of different ways to get that bat in the lineup. Um, then obviously they need more pitching. They don't have enough pitching, despite the fact that they've been pitching well. That's going to be a need for them at the deadline. So They're in a position where they can, with eight of the top 100 prospects in baseball, according to Baseball America, deal from a position of strength, consider the top, top names available, and also find ways to patch holes with lesser players at the deadline as well. So that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves now, but all of which to say
0: they're in a good position with reinforcements to strengthen the existing team. Yeah, and I think June is about that time. We start kind of looking around at the uh the landscape around MLB and thinking, Oh, well, maybe they're gonna be selling that guy. Oh, hey, maybe this guy's gonna be available. And and you start thinking about how you're gonna supplement this roster, which look we saw the Blue Jays supplement last trade deadline, Taiwan Walker and you know, Robbie Ray, Ross Stripling, Jonathan VR. Like we saw them be very active last deadline and they weren't in as good of a position as they are now. <laughs> they're in a very good position right now. So I would expect the blue Jays to be active at the deadline and to be looking to add anywhere that they can. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, some of that's going to come internally as well. Like, you know, as for as good as this team is like, and or has been to this point, probably be a lot better if it had George Springer and Kirby Yates on it, yep. you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> right? if, uh, if Nate Pearson had, uh, you know, been on form, It'd probably be a lot better if you had a healthy Julian Meriwether, right? Coming out of the bullpen. And it's never going to be perfect, right? Like guys are always going to be hurt. And some guys are always going to be underperforming. There's always going to be hiccups for young players like, you know, the, the Pearsons of this world. But uh, that's why you build out the depth that you do. And that's why we talked like all winter long and all spring long about how important depth was going to be this season. I mean, we're seeing it. Right to the Blue Jays for like layering in – some some depth pieces that have stepped in and and performed well whether it's like a Joel Piamps or you know an Anthony Castro who should be coming back off the IL here shortly um you know I mean look Santiago Espinals had his moments uh you know Josh Palacios was able to kind of be a, an everyday right fielder for a week there when the Blue Jays needed him to be and gave them some decent plate appearances and played some okay defense like they built out just a, a deeper, more uh you know flexible 40-man roster and and that's really been a big reason why they are where they are
1: well think about the the
0: two names you mentioned there right Springer and Yates and those were their
1: big acquisitions Springer of course the big position player Yates their biggest pitcher acquisition of the offseason and I mean going into the season like I thought those were great moves I thought that they were really big pickups obviously they've done next to nothing Springer won one game for them okay so basically nothing But you look at the guys who are kind of one tier down from that and Marcus Semyon is having a great season, basically as though 2020 was the operation that some suspected and hoped that it would be and playing at a very high level that will set him up very well in the future and sets the Blue Jays very well um, for now. And you look beyond Yates and you've got guys like Tyler Chatwood who we've talked about and of course is pitching like a relief ace. So, I mean, that's where... You know you just got to keep adding and adding and so this summer they've got to add some pieces and they've got to keep adding and you know this is to your point about last summer they will do that they are not going to stop at one name and say okay you know we got a good reliever and we're good for the deadline that's not what they're going to do but the need for those improvements and waves of improvements is definitely there
0: you know, an easy way to improve the starting rotation would be, it would be to call up, like, the fire-breathing monster at AAA who is, you know, through three AAA starts now, has 27 strikeouts in 18 innings pitched and has allowed one run. That would probably improve this pitching staff, no? Alec Manoa is making things
1: very interesting for this Blue Jays team. You know... He wants to end this with a strikeout. Absolutely, and he's got a chance. Can he get Geddes for the first time? The one-two,
0: he does! Fastball, tip back, power, and dominance from Alec Manoa. Two strikeouts in
1: the sixth, he leaves with 12. One of the most special nights of his
0: life. And he takes a four-nothing...
1: So we're three starts in, right, to, to watching Alec Manoa triple-A, I don't know where you land on it now, Arden, but uh, it's not unreasonable, in my opinion, to call him up at any point now.
0: Personally, I would do it right now. Um, And that's me. And I'm definitely more aggressive than your uh, typical MLB front office. And it's not even to say that like I've seen enough, and he's a finished product, and the development's over. I just think he needs to be challenged at this point, and I'm not really seeing him being challenged by these minor league hitters. Like he's not even getting into like these innings where he's got like you know some tough bad ball luck that he's got to work his way through, or uh, you know the umpires you know squeezing him, and guys are fouling pitches off. Like it's just mowing everybody down, and just kind of making it look a little bit. Too easy. So, like, obviously, it's not a finished product. Obviously, the development's not over. The development continues, and development doesn't stop once you get to the big leagues. All players are developing. George Springer is developing. You know, like everybody is is getting better and making refinements and evolving as as an athlete. But I just don't see you know what benefit another AAA start is going to give Alec Manoa. Right now, I would have him in, in the majors and that goes one of two ways, right? Like either he comes up to the majors and he's fine and he succeeds. Great, fantastic outcome. Or he comes up and he's challenged and he faces some adversity and, and he struggles. Okay, now he knows what he needs to get better at. Now he knows what he needs to refine. Now he's, you've seen like what it looks like at the big, at the major league level. and He knows what he has to do better and what he has to continue to improve. At that point, you can send him back down to AAA and... It's not like he would be the first young pitcher to come up to the big leagues and have to go back down to the minors to work on some things and make some refinements. If that's your worst outcome there, I'm fine with that. You learn something and now he's got something to work at over the ensuing weeks when he's back in the minors, kind of like Nate Pearson is now. Right. I mean, you think about the benefit of him
1: staying at AAA to start and work things through at that level there's a benefit there he can develop and work on things but with each passing start that he dominates at triple a the benefit of working at that level diminishes he's presumably learning less and testing himself less with each passing start i'm not saying the benefit's zero but it's diminishing each time he goes out there and then the risk of him coming up to the major leagues and getting totally exposed that's always going to be there for any prospect making that leap but That risk also seems to be diminishing with each time that he goes out there and pitches so well. So, you know, to me, you've got a combination where, sure, you could give him another start, another couple starts. That'd be fine at AAA. Like, I'm not going to say that's like some, you know, massive error by the Blue Jays if they keep him there for a couple, couple more outings. That's fine. But I also think if he's pitching for this team on Monday that's also a totally reasonable outcome. I'm not predicting that, but I think it's reasonable. And when you listen to Ross Atkins and the way he talks about Manoa, it's really interesting because a couple of years ago when Vladdy was coming up and Atkins was talking about Vladdy, he said, Vlad is not a major league player right now. And that really bothered people. You know, that was was surprising to people. And in hindsight, obviously there was something to that because he was out of shape and he wasn't fielding well. Now with Manoa, Atkins has had the opportunity to to pour cold water on this and say, hey, he's not ready. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that they're impressed with what he's doing on the field, off the field, between starts, after games, before games. So at this point, he's checking a lot of boxes. And if his next challenge is in the majors, then I do think he'll do well. I do think he'll help this team win games. And it's getting to, to be
0: really close to that time where they need to test him and, and see how he responds. I will say that the decision on calling up Alec Manoa is completely independent of how Ross Stripling's pitching, right. of how the team in the majors is performing. I think like if this was August or September... And you're in the thick of a postseason race. Then it's like, okay, we need like more impact. Like we need somebody better in our rotation, or we're thinking about wins and losses right now. But on May 20th, like you're not thinking about, oh, we need somebody in here to take Ross Stripling's spot in this rotation. Like they, you know, TJ Zoic could do that, right? Like an opener and a guy, as Charlie Montoya would say. Nick yeah. Allgaier was a Blue Jay for a few days this week. Like there are other options there. Like this is completely about Alec Manoa and what's best for his development and like people are going to point to the fact quite reasonably that Alec Manoa has made nine starts as a professional like he's pitched in nine professional games and his innings total to this point I would assume is like well below 50. 35? Yeah. It's (laughs) low (laughs) right? So here's the thing like are are we waiting until he reaches some totally arbitrary number of like 135 or something like that? You're going to be waiting a long time because like the guy's circumstances sucked when he was drafted you know he had pitched like a ton at college and the Blue Jays wanted to shut him down and like let him recover and start 2020 you know in a good place and then 2020 happened and there was no Miley Season to pitch in, right? So, like, the circumstances are always going to dictate that Alec Manoa is never going to have like a huge amount of minor league innings, unless he starts struggling greatly. At which point, yeah, he's going to start piling up minor league innings really quickly. But he's just never going to have that. So, like, for the Blue Jays, where the the decision is interesting, is that like they have to look at more than just the results, obviously, more than just the fact that he's dominating minor league hitters. Um, with two pretty overpowering weapons in his fastball and his slider they have to look at how he's using his change up and how he's commanding and they to look at the track man stuff and you know where he's locating pitches and they gotta look at the player tracking stuff where's his release point at like you know what like how is he interacting with his catcher in between innings right like like all those little things like that's what the blue jays will look at to make this decision Um, And I guess where it gets interesting is just like, all right, is there some like threshold he surpasses where all of a sudden all that stuff lines up and it's like, all right, let's bring him to the big leagues. Like, as I said, I would be inclined to challenge him with a big league start right now see how it goes and and play off of there uh because i can't really see an outcome in that scenario where that that would be particularly disastrous if you're dealing with somebody who like mentally you have some you know concerns about how you would like deal with the the toll of struggling at the big league level that's one thing alec Manoa doesn't seem to like really care (laughs) like he doesn't seem to have that issue like i don't i don't question his mental fortitude to this point maybe that changes when he gets to the big leagues, but you know, to this point when you're seeing him like John back and forth, with these minor league hitters, like during plate appearances in between pitches, and you see the, the confidence and the certainty that he has in himself when he talks about his career and about how he's pitching and how he's performing. I think he's ready for that next challenge. Yeah. I mean, he will struggle at some point. That's inevitable for every
1: single player in the major leagues, but yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I wouldn't be saying this if he had gone out there and, you know, three starts, Six innings each, you know, two or three earned runs, strikes out five, walks two. That's not what he's doing. He's striking out 12. <laughs> then he's carrying a no-hitter into the sixth inning. Then he's striking out 10. Every single time he's out there, he is absolutely controlling the game, dominating performances, It's almost like the level where you can't really ask for much more. I know he's hit a few guys. He gave up his first run of the year on Wednesday. So, I mean, okay, there are a couple of blemishes there. But basically, it's been as good as you could possibly hope. And it'll be fun to see. Um, I, I don't know whether the Jays will call him up, obviously, for Monday's start but certainly a reasonable case for doing so exists.
0: There's precedent. He's 23, right? Like Logan Gilbert's pitched in the big leagues, like, uh, you know, Casey Mize and Brady Singer, you know, like there's there's precedent from other organizations too, right? He's not a kid. You could totally justify doing this based on his age, based on his pedigree and track record and based on his current results at a really high level of the minors yeah it's gonna
1: be fun to see whenever he does get up here because if he keeps pitching like this then he would be a very
0: big upgrade over what the blue jays currently have in their rotation no doubt about that let's take the break but when we continue we'll look some more at this club's pitching and we will look at Fly jr as we must always all that and so much more when we continue on at the letters It continues on At The Letters. Arden Zwelling, Ben Nicholson-Smith. Our producers this week are Andrew Norton and Mike Tassoni. Ben, time now for Keeping It Light, presented by Miller Light. We are at the quarter mark of the 2021 MLB season. And Ben, I am gifting you one American League MVP vote and one only no ranked ballots none of that you can vote for one player and one player only knowing what you know now at this point in the season who are you voting
1: for I'd go with Shohei Otani I just think he's been so incredible in so many ways I think he's been the best player I think he's been the most valuable player in the league I mean you you watch the hitting where he hits absolutely any pitch in any quadrant of the strike zone above below beyond like he'll hit anything out of the park for a home run he is on a pace for something like 30 stolen bases he's pitching really well and even after he pitches i was watching on wednesday he'll go to the outfield and stay in the game and provide further value to his team that way so to me trout's been great garrett cole buxton vladdy all those guys should be in the conversation but to me it's otani at
0: this point yeah there's just no question it just has to be Shohei Otani. It can't be anybody else. Yeah. What are you talking about? He's one of the best pitchers and one of the best hitters simultaneously. Yeah. I don't know how you make an argument against him. He is unquestionably the first quarter MVP, but it is like kind of interesting that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is very much in the discussion. Yeah. Like very much a top five candidate um probably to this point has been the second best hitter in baseball after mike trout yeah which is something and i haven't looked at kind of the wins of overplacement. replacement i would assume that vlad gets you know a little bit of uh you know a little bit of a handicap just because of the position that he plays right he's up there yeah just based on the bat
1: oh yeah he's like already at
0: 2.4 2.5 like he's a top three player on war yeah imagine if he was a good defender at a premium position (laughs) that'd be pretty cool uh yeah that'd be pretty wild so but it is cool that the vladimir jr is in that position and look what was interesting was he went through that little slump um i want to say like 10 days ago if you can call it a slump right it was really just like four or five games where you know calls weren't going his way he's getting pitched kind of difficult not great luck on balls and play um you know he he committed the like heinous offense of you know striking out a couple more times than he walked right. uh but but he came out of it in a really big way and you know the really interesting thing process-wise with him is he didn't change his approach like he didn't get frustrated he didn't you know get angry he didn't start expanding more you know he didn't start trying to you know just do things that aren't you know, conducive to him being his most successful at the plate. Like he just stayed himself and he stayed with it. He trusted his approach and he trusted what he was doing. And lo and behold, he came out of it. To me, that's growth from Vladimir Griot Jr. Like that's maturity from a kid who's still like so, so young. Like that's somebody who is actually learning what it kinda of takes to be consistently productive and successful at the big league levels. Uh and, and that's really encouraging to see.
1: No doubt. I mean he's been he's been great. Like there's you
0: look at the Any metric
1: on base percentage, only Mike Trout is ahead of him. WRC plus, so you're kind of all encompassing offensive metric, only Mike Trout is ahead. So, I mean, at this point, Vladdy is one of the best players in the American League. And, you know, we'll see where this goes. I asked Vladdy recently, do you think this is a hot start or is this who you are? And he didn't really give me a definitive answer on it, as players are wont to do, of course. But, you know i think this is real i think this is more real than not i think he just is one of the best players in the american league right now and considering where he was less than a year ago when he showed up to summer camp out of shape by his own admission having added a lot of extra weight during the pandemic away from the team he was trying to play third base couldn't do it things were not going his way i mean that was less than one year ago that that's where Vladdy was at and so for him to right now be i think objectively just one of the best players in the American League is is huge. He's just he's doing such a, an impressive job at the plate and really establishing himself. Is one of the young players in the game to watch.
0: He's twenty two, man. He's younger than Alec Manoa. Yeah, like and he's not like uh you know it's his age twenty three season, but he's still twenty two. No, like he just turned twenty two. Yeah. This is only going to get better. If like if from here and it can only get better as he continues to make conditioning improvements as he continues to learn big league pitching like as he continues to get stronger like so if he can build on this and continue to make the strides that he has and work as hard as he has be as like committed and dedicated as he has and and all those things stay healthy obviously like there's a million things to go into it but if he just Sees from this process that he's undergone, as you said, in less than a year to get himself to where he is now. And it's like, oh, hey, I can keep layering onto this and building and contributing to this. The dividends and the gains that will roll in in three, four, five years could be amazing. You think about Otani,
1: how good he is, like how incredible Shohei Otani is. You think about Mike Trout, who might be the best baseball player ever. And we're talking about MVP. And Vlad Jr. is in that conversation with those guys. I mean, that's pretty telling. And it's only a quarter of the season. But for Vladdy to be in that discussion really shows how far he's he's come in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, he deserves to be mentioned with the uh, the Acunas and the, you know, how you think about yeah. the, the really great young players like in this game? Vlad's there now. It's like remarkable how quickly he has kind of turned things around. For himself so i don't know maybe that suggests that you know things could turn around the other direction pretty quickly too we shall see if baseball does anything it is just consistently like surprises us and consistently like gives us unexpected things that happen such as there's a no hitter thrown every night now pitchers are just crushing it this year we've had six no hitters so far one on literally each of the last two nights across the game ben it's crazy ground ball to glaber torres and that'll do it a no hitter for Corey kluber on a wednesday if the blue jays were to get a no hitter this season who would throw it i think we got two candidates to to
1: really discuss here um Although, I mean, if I guess I should probably expand it beyond that, because as you've said, I'm not sure that I would have predicted that Wade Miley would be jumping up and down on the mound uh, celebrating a no hitter. So maybe that underscores that it can happen to anybody. It's
0: not the guys you'd expect, right? Well, exactly. It's not like it's been, you know, Garrett Cole and, you know, uh, you know, Giolito the night before that or something like that. It's not been the guys that you would that you would bet on. It's all over the map. So I mean, it, it really, it could be
1: Anthony Kay. I mean, Ross Stripling did it with the Dodgers or came very, very close, of course, one of the most famous uh, moments of his career uh, when he was very close to throwing a no hitter. So it could be anyone. But I do think that the two most likely would be Ryu, of course. I mean, he's just so hard to hit. He's so good at inducing weak contact if you put him against a i don't know a texas or a cleveland or a seattle the teams that seem to be getting no hit pretty often um you know i wouldn't be surprised i really wouldn't be but i think Manoa's was another candidate right like he did it at triple a those hitters are much worse like triple a hitters there's a step change obviously they are much much worse but he did it at triple a for a stretch you look at the stuff I mean, that would be kind of my second name on the list, but where do you land on that one?
0: You know what, actually, because I think I would go number one Robbie Ray. Huh and then I'd go number two Hunch in Ryu
1: that's the Ray is a good pick yeah
0: I think I would go Robbie Ray as my most likely candidate just because he like misses bats right yeah. with Ryu the ball is just in play a little bit too much Yeah. but that could cut the other way where it's like well if Ryu's getting like early week contact you know he can just kind of have like you know one of those days where one of those good up days right where the yeah. balls just hit at guys right or whatever yeah. but with Robbie Ray like he's gonna strike everybody out and he's probably gonna walk a few guys although he doesn't hasn't been doing that not lately but you, you know still like you, you you assume he's gonna have a few walks and i think that it'll just be one of those like 125 pitch yeah charlie montoyo and pete walker sweating through their uniforms yeah. <laughs> no hitters yeah. uh and one of those where like robbie ray's got that like psycho look on his face of like you're not taking me out of this game i don't care i will throw my ar- i will grunt my arm off <laughs> I-, I like
1: that call yeah i think um if we were doing a perfect game prediction i still wouldn't put you know robbie ray in but that's not what we're doing we're talking about no hitters yeah so you know robbie ray for a no hitter i could see that and if we were talking perfect game which of course is way more rare in major league baseball history i i could see i mean ryu would be the one guy i could see doing a perfect game
0: that's the one guy yeah but they got a few no hit candidates ryu perfect game for me I think because I trust Ryu not to walk anybody. Yeah. But uh yeah, Ray, no hitter, Ryu, perfect game. Those would be my my options. But like I said, it's never the guys you think, right? Like it's not TJ Zoick threw a no, a no hitter with Buffalo. He did. So like it's you know, maybe it's like Joey Murray, right? Like, you know, <laughs> who knows, right? Like it's it's never the guys you think. No interesting kind of upcoming decision for the Toronto Blue Jays or decisions as you know players get healthy again and like lo and behold it's been like five days since the Blue Jays had to make an injury transaction which is just about an eternity with this club uh players getting healthy again as we sit here today on Thursday May 20th I believe tonight is Thomas Hatch night for the Buffalo Bisons Thomas Hatch back on the mound For the Bisons, uh, don't sleep on Thomas Hatch and on the role that he could play uh, in this Blue Jays rotation down the stretch. He'll be eligible to come off the 60-day soon. Uh, You've also got David Phelps just went on the 60-day, but you you could see Julian Merriweather coming off the 60-day when he's eligible, which I think is early June. Patrick Murphy could also be coming off of the 60, and eventually Alejandro Kirk as well. Blue Jays could have some interesting 40-man rosters decisions Ben you know we were kind of talking about the depth of, of this 40 earlier in in the podcasts and how valuable that's been to this club it's been very important integral to their success but they're going to run into some spots if guys get healthy and if they don't suffer more injuries requiring 60 DIL stints where they have to make some pretty tough decisions
1: they will yeah and you know it's, it's interesting because it's obviously a crunch might be approaching but I still think they will be able to figure this out. I mean, there's so many guys on this roster that at various points this year, the Blue Jays have demonstrated a willingness to move on from, you know, with A.J. Cole. They didn't break camp with him, with Reese McGuire. They already DFA'd him. I mean, you could look at a Nick Allgaier or a Beasley or a Tice. Like, Are those names that they absolutely must hold on to for the entire season? I would say no um, and of course you'd rather have them than not you're not going to just discard them but if you get to a point that Alejandro Kirk is healthy and he's good to go then DFAing Reese McGuire isn't the craziest thing although Reese McGuire actually been hitting kind of well so far and so is Danny Jansen for that matter but the point being I do think that this will be Maybe the decisions will be hard in the moment, but I think there are enough guys on the edge of that 40-man that they can come up with space.
0: Yeah, the only thing I would disagree with you would be the all Allgaier shout, just because he's got options, and he's still a relatively young... Like, pitcher, like, I feel like he would get claimed and somebody would option him, right? Like, so you know, some rebuilding club would just take, yeah, free young pitcher who knows what he's going to become, but sure, I don't think that he would be that guy. But yeah, like the Jeremy Beasley's of this world, like, obviously, we already saw that Reese McGuire got was was DFA'd, like, yeah, you know. There are options there. And, like, also we've seen the club, like, not exactly unwilling to move on from veteran guys, right? Like Tanner Roark and Shun Yamaguchi. Exactly. So, you know, if you get to a point where there's, like, a a veteran on this roster who's, you know, not performing, not getting it done, yeah, you might see somebody like that. Tommy Malone. Oh, yeah. That's an easy one. (laughs) But, like, a bigger name would be, like, Ross Stripling, you know? Right. Or, like, if... Raphael Delis had a crazy like turn of events where he was really, really un- ineffective, right? right? Um, you know, Phelps or somebody who's yeah. just like not getting it done, you know? Right. That would be a bigger, more impactful, more kind of eye catching roster move than, say, Tommy Malone. Totally.
1: And I understand you're not saying that right now, yeah. but a lot can happen in three, four months, right? So if we're talking about September, they need a spot because that's finally when Julian Merriweather's back and one of those guys is just not performing, then that's when you start having those different conversations. What if
0: like Gabby Moreno hits his way onto this club? Yeah, I mean, he's doing amazing. Alejandro Kirk did just last year from, you know, the alt site and high A before that. Gabriel Moreno has gone to double A and is just crushing pitchers right now and looks phenomenal. And, you know, I don't need to tell any Blue Jays fan this. Like there has not been a ton of offensive production from anybody wearing catcher's gear for this club this year. Like I know that, you know, you were mentioning like Reese McGuire has been hitting. Okay. And like Alejandro Kirk was coming around in a big way before he got hurt, but it's been an offensive zero really for this club to this point. So maybe there's a situation come August, come September where they're like, yeah, let's get Gabby Moreno up. He's already on the 40 and they have to look at, well, somebody from our position player group like needs to go to make room uh well no actually he's already on the 40s so that wouldn't that wouldn't happen at all but still maybe there's there's a lot of roster machinations I think and it'll be just kind of interesting to see how things progress as the Blue Jays like if they stay in the position they're in right now and have to kind of make some like win now decisions over purely developmental decisions uh, it's going to be interesting to watch play out
1: for sure and I mean Ross Atkins was saying just uh over the weekend that a guy like Forrest Wall, who's not on the 40-man roster, is someone they view as a really good defender and someone that could be elite um, defensively. So if that's the case, I mean, I don't know. Like, is that a Ty Tice? Is that even a Jonathan Davis? Like, I, I don't know where these things are going to go. But clearly, the Jays know they're going to have to cycle players onto this roster at various points, whether it's trades, whether it's promotions for prospects, returning injuries guys. And that's, that's fine. That's something that... You know, maybe the players that they're cutting are a bit better now than they were a couple of years ago. But that's just part of the cost of being a good team. And it's a
0: cost that the Jays should be very willing to bear. Exactly. You put that very well. Besides George Springer, which returning injured player do you think will be the most impactful to this club over the next uh, several weeks and months? You know, I'll,
1: I'll go with Kirk here. I think that that's the, the biggest weakness or one of the biggest weaknesses on this team is just that number nine spot and the fact that they're not getting offense there even if danny jansen continues hitting well then great you go to that timeshare situation kirk plays some jansen does and you've got a couple of catchers who can actually produce a bit so to me that would be the number one i mean names that cross my mind here are nate pearson and julian merriweather because they have the potential to be high impact pitchers for this team, which certainly needs them, but
0: I land on Kirk here. Thomas Hatch. I kind of tipped my hand yeah. earlier in the episode, but I just think that you know, if if he's healthy and like hopefully the elbow's all good, and you know this little break just gave him a little bit of time to you know deload a little bit and uh, get back to feeling like himself. I like think Thomas Hatch could be really key to this club. Uh, you know, kind of over those like kind of dog days of summer, like those kind of July yep. and August, where you, you know, the guys are grinding and you need somebody to go out and carry some innings. Like Thomas Hatch could do that. Very, very interested to see him finally as a starter. Uh, you know, because we saw him last year like out of the bullpen and sort of those, you know, he'd come in and face like nine hitter type of type of thing. Like now we're gonna see him turn a lineup over. It's gonna be super, super interesting. Um Blue Jay's really high on him. You know, I like the the mound presence, I like the poise, I like his command and and his fastball, obviously, and the way he's incorporated his changeup more since since coming over from the Cubs. So I think he's kind of a sneaky under the radar returning from injury guy who could be like really impactful when we look back on the season. And one of the nice things about Hatch too
1: is that he's someone who's probably ahead of schedule
0: as opposed to you
1: know a lot of these injuries they tend to drag on a little bit longer than we expect. In Springer's case he's pretty much going to miss two months, right? That's a good case scenario. If he's back at the end of May, I mean, that's like a week from now, so that would be good. And that's two months of the season, which obviously not good, not good at all, but is what it is. They have to deal with that. So when you have someone who's coming back ahead of schedule like a Thomas Hatch, then that's a nice slight, slight
0: counterbalance to the delay that they're facing, of course, with Springer and others. Honorable mention, Patrick Murphy, who a high leverage bullpen role, down the stretch in August and September I think could be really really big for this club like his stuff is sick (laughs) you know and he just has not been healthy enough to use it and he's you know been kind of caught in between and that like he was called up last year to pitch out of the bullpen he's been developing as a starter Um, like it's kind of hard to see him logging a starters workload later on this year I don't know I wonder if they just bring him back and throw him out of the bullpen and utilize him that way but his stuff is like really really good really electric especially in those short stints so you know I, I think that he could be a, a really big piece out of this bullpen down the stretch
1: yeah they're gonna need them that's
0: right it's just every day for six months so of course they're going to need these players that's gonna be it for us uh, i want to thank our producers andrew norton and mike to i want to thank you listeners as always he's ben nicholson smith i'm arden zwelling and we will talk to you next time on at the letters